Hello, everybody. It's the return of Unaired. Yes, finally back from hiatus. And, uh, yeah, just a quick uh, few housekeeping things before the episode starts. First of all, our release schedule. We are still doing bi-weekly now, so every other Thursday there will be a new episode. I, uh, kind of currently work two jobs right now, so I cannot keep up with weekly. But, rest assured, still every other week, gonna get new episodes. Yeah, uh, I forgot to mention this in the episode, but, uh, follow us on all our social media. It's basically everything's at Honored Podcast, or some variation of that. Also, super special thanks to, uh, my guest for this week, Zach Reno from Off Book. It was a great episode. Um, there are a few little audio hiccups because I, uh, I had thought I had figured out Zencaster, but apparently not. So there are a few spots where it kind of dips in and out, but it's, it's a great episode. So aside from those few little, uh, minor hiccups, enjoy this episode. Everybody and welcome to Unaired, the show where we take TV shows canceled with episodes left unaired, review them, and then pitch our ideas for how we think they could have continued. I'm Ed, and there is a very special guest this week. We have from Off Book, the improvised musical podcast, one of my favorite shows, Zach Reno. Hello, Ed. So good to be here. I am so glad that you've come on. This is going to be a great episode because we have a great TV show that we're covering. Man, this show is insane. This yeah. show is so insane. It's one of the most bizarre things I've ever watched in my life. It's so um, this week we watched a show from 1990 called Cop Rock. Uh, oh, I just realized it's supposed to be like Pop Rock. Is I it? Just, I think so. In what way? Wait, like oh, Pop just... Rock's? Like cop rock, pop rock. What is pop rock even like? Just like pop slash rock, the genre. Oh, I was thinking of like the candy that fizzles in your mouth. You think that the name of this TV show was based was supposed to be a pun on the candy pop rocks? There's no. Okay, way. I mean, like honestly, this show is so crazy <laughs> that that is possibly true. I just can't imagine that a studio exec was like, "Oh yeah." A, a, pun, <laughs> a candy pun that has nothing to do with the show. <laughs> well, the the um the name of the show always reminds me of a uh, uh, the show Community. There's a line where a cop is writing a uh, opera, and he says, "Oh, I'm writing a cop opera," and everybody goes, "Cop opera," and one yeah, yeah. And one guy goes, "Policeical." <laughs> so like that that just always reminds me of it. Yeah. But this show um, it aired 11 episodes and was very unceremoniously canceled. Um, it aired in 1990 on ABC. And uh, the basic premise of it is it's a police procedural drama, but also a musical. I'm not quite sure what they were smoking when they uh, pitched this. I mean, that's, that is my biggest issue with this show is that like tonally it is insane because when it is a police, I mean, like we'll get into it, I guess, because we're going to go over it. But it is not like a fun cop show. It's like a gritty cop show. And then it's a ridiculous musical. It's not even a, I mean, it, and it, it can't even decide what kind of musical it wants to be. Yeah. There's so many genres just like thrown in there. It's, it's almost like if Glee had a weird baby with law and order. Yeah. 
Yes, if it was Law and Order up until the part where it was a Glee song. Exactly. That's actually a pretty good way to describe it. I imagine that's how they pitched it. They said, okay, in the, in the, in the, in the future, there will be a show called Glee, and it will be very popular. This is like <laughs> that, but not as good, and tonally bananas all over the place. Also, hi, I'm a Terminator. I've come to kill Sarah Connor. Also, I'm a Terminator. And <laughs> also, uh, there's rap in it, but it's written by white people, which is always the best, the best rap. Oh, it's always the best rap. I mean, Vanilla Ice, come on. <laughs> yeah, everyone's favorite. I mean, no one's... T- he's the what? The most successful recording artist to date, right? Oh, of course. So, uh, the show starts off with a very, very dramatic scene of... Basically, they're storming a crack den. It, lo- it basically looks like it's a crack house. It is a crack house. Uh, yeah, and there's like a police chopper. Like, they're, they're busting down the door. There's a baby inside, and that's one of the plot points of the episode is this lady trying to get her baby back. And uh, as the uh, arrested parties are being brought outside is when we get our first taste of the white guy writing rap. And I'm sure that I built a song that is, is, I assume, called We've Got the Power or In These Streets. It's been we, it's been a second since we watched this because this the recording got delayed a little bit, so please correct me if I'm wrong. But... It, it is very much a like, oh, I don't even know how to describe it. It is, and I apologize if it was not a white person that wrote this, but it feels like there's no way a person of color wrote this rap because it is like a white person heard a rap song once and was like, this is what it is, I think. Right. It's like when a church pastor tries to like do a Jesus rap. Yes. But Yes. That's right. I think that's that's totally correct. <laughs> yeah. So like you were saying, they just repeat in these streets, we got the power several times. Yeah. In these streets, we've got the power. We've got the power. We've got the power in these streets. Like that's that's it. That's most of the song. And then there are some there are some players where people from the streets are telling the cops how little they think about them as if to like establish a dynamic that this episode is going to be about the relationship between those people and the cops, which it's not because none of those people come back for the entirety of the episode, except for the lady who's not in the rap, but gets her baby taken away from me, presumably because she is on drugs. Yeah. Which the end of this episode definitely kind of, kind of leads into that. Yeah, one of the lines, uh, I think it's the first line, is he called you son. He's not your dad. He's just a dumb white cop, and you made him mad. That's very. I mean, I was I was so critical of it before, but hearing it back like that, it is very good, isn't it? It's poetic. It's very. I don't know. It's it's both hard and poetic at the same time. I take it. I take it all back. It's <laughs> very. It's very good. Uh, retrospectively, yes, it is the best show of all time. <laughs> Okay, so that's the other thing. There's a billion... I mean, and like pilots are hard by any measure, but there's a billion characters in this pilot. That's another problem I had. I couldn't keep anybody's name straight. Oh, I don't remember a single name. I'm going to refer to them by like what they were doing. That was like Lady on Drugs who got her baby taken away. And then she ends up at the station with like nice lady cop and her and she has like partner cop who's hitting on her and we find out later that they're sleeping together yeah there's a bit of tension that's uh bashed over your head 
several times. Is that what happens next? At one point, two old, totally different detectives, one of whom is the husband of nice lady cop, is having like a long conversation with the captain in the bathroom about how he can't pee anymore because like his prostate is messed up or something. This is not a joke. This is a conversation that just happens in this in the bathroom. I think it's trying to set him up as like a dude who's got nothing going for him. I don't I I truly don't know. Yeah, and like he's bracing himself while he's taking that piss in the bathroom. Like he's got his hand on the wall and then the captain walks up. And then they just chat it up like cops do in the bathroom. You've got to put your hand on the wall, though, because, like, you don't know if you're going to need to, like, kick someone behind you. And that's just support. That's like a kung fu thing. That's just oh, cop cool. training. <laughs> His cop training was ready to kick in at any moment. Yeah, like a horse. <laughs> it's a horse kick. Oh, maybe they learned from the horses, the police horses. Were there horses in this episode? Truly nothing, yeah. nothing would surprise me. If you were like, oh, yeah, and then they rode a goat for a while. I'd be like, yeah, that's about – that makes as much sense as anything else that happened in this episode. Yeah, and then Elmo showed up. It was weird. What was the next song? Because I remember hating each one a little bit more than the last one. Uh, technically, the next song was the theme song sung by the great Randy Newman. Oh, and right. And the theme song is for some reason all of the cops are like out of out of order, out of chronology, are in a bar – listening to Randy Newman sing the song about their show. Like, it's weirdly meta. Yeah, and they're, like, sitting in, like, like these, like, production chairs, and they're just kind of, like, nodding at Randy Newman. It's called Under the Gun, I guess, is what Wikipedia is telling me. Yep, it's Under the Gun. That song was totally unmemorable to me. I don't remember it at all. Yeah, uh, it turns out Randy Newman wrote all the music for this show. All of it? Yep. Oh, okay, so we can definitely confirm that the rap was wit- written by a white person. Uh, yep, by the Sir Randall Newman. This show was released on my birthday. Oh, that's wonderful. Not my not my first birthday, but but my birthday. That's that's just a gift for me. Exactly. <laughs> they knew. They knew. No. So then we get to uh, the two cops that are banging each other secretly. Mm-hmm. Uh, because her husband can't pee, so she has to she has to go somewhere else. That's, that's specifically what, that's ladies want a man that has a functioning urinary tract more than anything. Like number one is that. Number two is sense of humor. Number three is be kind. And number four is always ready to brace yourself and do a horse kick. Number four is is, is horse based martial arts. Exactly. So this guy's got everything except for number one. So she has to cheat on him with her partner. Oh, he literally doesn't have number one. He can't. I don't follow. You're going to have to walk me through that one. Oh, like like when you're taking a wee-wee and you refer to it as oh, number one? Oh, you're not her partner, her husband. Oh, yeah, her husband. Yes, very good. Trophy, <laughs> trophy, trophy for joke. Joke, trophy. <laughs> Thank you. I'll put it up on my uh, cabinet next to my soccer trophy from third grade. Mm-hmm. That's good. Gotta get one of those. Oh, yeah. They're on eBay. So, um, yeah, the two cops are kind of flirty, and a uh, van shows up. They pursue the van. Dude gets out with a machine gun and kills one of the cops. Oh, right. People just get gunned down in the street real quick in this show, like a bunch of people. Like another cop who you've only met kind of recently and you're supposed to care about a lot dies, like right away. On a playground, too. That's right. In our 
how I forget were both of the criminals in this black or were they a little bit less racist than that? Uh, nope. They went full racist. Good. Good. Just making sure that we don't have any sort of like subtlety going on in this show here. Yeah. And the recommended videos with the pilot was a song from a future episode called I'm not racist, but so I watched part of that. I watched a couple songs from other ones because this, this like, this was like an hour long show, wasn't it? Yep. It was 48 minutes long. It di- it didn't have it had a it had a few songs in it. The late the the glowy briefcase song is in this one, right? Or what are I watching that from a different one? Oh no, that's that's one of my favorite parts. It's in this show though. I'm oh, yeah. I, I, I okay, good, just checking. We're never going to get through this pilot. So much went on. What happened next? I forget. <laughs> so uh they arrest one of the dudes from the van. They interrogate him by basically waterboarding him. Right, which you're allowed to do if if you machine gun down a bunch of people in the 19 early 90s, you can waterboard people. That's a that's a rule. Yep, it was a uh, page two of the cop handbook, right mm-hmm. next to uh, "Be prepared to horse kick." Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the captain talks to the dude that lost his partner. He's just like, "You need to take time and grieve." And he puts down his uh, weights from the weight room, and he's just like, "No, nah, I'm good." And then we get nice lady cop. Who gets the baby back to the crack mother. Right. Who's like, we can't take this baby away from this lady. She's good. We're going to give the baby back. And that the, the crack mother is also like informing on the people in the crack house. Like she knows where the boss was or will or will be. And she's like using that as leverage to try to get some money. I think she gets like 50 bucks and her baby. And her baby. Which is a deal. But then just to skip to the end, does she just give her baby away to someone else? She uh, not only gives her baby away, she sells it for $200. Cool. Yep. So she uh, she did get all that uh, all that money. Like all of this would make sense if it was just a drama. But like the mute we got we got. okay. so what's the next what happens next? (laughs) (laughs) So then we get the husband who this is when we find out she's married to. uh, Yes. guy. He is at home and sings a song that like at called like at night she comes home to me or some shit like that. Yep, and it sounds kind of like the song Somewhere That's Green from Little Shop of Horrors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit. It does. What struck me about this song was that it was like First of all, it's basically one shot. It's like a slow pan from about like 10 feet away to way too close up on this guy's face. And like if the point here is to make us feel for this character, the only conversation that we've seen him before is like him talking about how he can't pee. And now he's singing this song about how like uh, I, I don't care what my wife does as long as like at night she comes home to me. And it's just like a real slow uh, zoom on this guy in this song that we don't care about. It's like, this is a cop show. And this, this song, it feels like it's out of Sweeney Todd almost, but like a modern, less good Sweeney Todd. Like Sweeney Todd. If it had a baby with glee and law and order. Yes. This pitch is getting more and more solidified and easy to sell to network executives. I'm truly, (laughs) I truly am trying to figure out because like the person who made this show had done another show, right? That was like why they gave it to him. Yeah, I think it was uh, Hill Street Blues. Right, which is, I don't know anything about that. Is that like, this? It was Hill Street Blues is a serial police 
drama. Okay, so it's not a it's not a comedy, and it's certainly not a musical. And someone was like, "Oh, you did a cop show. We'll do another one, but it'll be great." But also, it's not a comedy. But also, it like if this show had just straight up been a comedy, it's actually not a terrible idea for a show. To do like a Brooklyn Nine Nine with music, like would be a great show. You could watch that, but it can't be a drama because you can't go back and forth between like this song and a song that happens later, which is not like the mayor of the town. Is that who she is? The mayor is like on the take, and she brings in three like comic henchmen who who are trying to fund a some. Help me, Ed. What is going on in this yes. in the show? With the, with the briefcase that looks like it's straight out of a Ninja Turtles movie because it's like glowing and green and full of money that's not radioactive, but like for comic premise, comic purposes, they were like, let's make it glow. Nothing else in the series will be cartoonish at all, but the briefcase will glow and then we'll do like a pseudo sexual dance, but everyone's got like shoulder pads and sunglasses. Yeah, it was weird. Uh, first of all, Ernie Hudson shows up out of nowhere for like a scene. He's a... Uh... He's in the chief's, like the chief of police's office. Chief of police shoots a mannequin in his office. It's a very weird scene. <laughs> right. You let off rounds in his office just because you can do that. And he has like old cowboy guns or something, right? Yeah. And his mannequin is dressed up as a cowboy. Oh, right. He's like drawing on the cow. He has like a weird like Rube Goldberg-esque device to like shoot the cowboy. Yeah. And then uh, they do a press conference and the mayor's just like, we're going to build a new jail. And that's when we get the song with the uh, weird henchman. And basically they pay off the mayor to be like, hey, we want to build this jail and run it. Right. Like as if there wasn't enough going on in this series already. Like now we have the subplot of like the mayor, like taking money from one specific contractor to build the jail, which can I say is one of the most boring season arc plot points you could possibly come up with. Like in a cop show. <laughs> is <That'd> like. Be- <laughs> Is like bureaucratic white collar bullshit. It'd be like if they had an arc following the accounting department. Yes, exactly. Like, ugh. And what is that song called? Um, I'm not quite sure. They do say some like stuff like "I'm your guy" or like something like that. And the song sounds a lot like the Joker from Steve Miller. Like it's like da 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 da, and it's just those those chords the entire time so when mr randall newman was writing all the music for this show was he did he do all 11 episodes allegedly okay so maybe someone was like ghostwriting but on paper he's got to do like six songs an episode for all of these i'm starting to understand why so many of them are bad is because if it is just him uh no, there's no excuse. Bring in bring in help. Just do better. <laughs> do better and get help. Yeah, and like I think this was around the time that he was doing Toy Story, so like he already had enough on his plate. And he's killing it with Toy Story. Wait, Toy Story is that early? In the early 90s? When did Toy Story come out? I think it was 1991. I might be wrong. That can't No, there's no way. Hold on. <laughs> Toy Story. Did it did it do do. 1995. So you're not, you're not, you're not far off, but that's still earlier than I thought it was. Jesus. He had, he had the songs gestating for Toy Story at this point. He was saving it up for Toy Story. He doesn't have time for cop rock. Exactly. So, uh, 
then we get the glowing briefcase, which reminded me a lot of the uh, briefcase from Pulp Fiction. I just figure like maybe it has Marcellus Wallace's soul in it. Yeah, that feels like what's going on. Except for me, like I said, it feels like a secret of the it feels like the ooze canisters from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Because like not only is it just full of money, it's like full of like glowing green money as if to say it's very, very evil. Because you can tell how evil money is by how much it like calls to you with its glow, like a siren's call. Do you think maybe they were setting up the Ninja Turtles for like a later season? You mean like episode 12? They were like, oh, by the way, this isn't the turtle verse. Like the turtles are here and also April is here and they're the real heroes. That would make sense because everyone in this show is unlikable. So for them to introduce actual heroes later, I would be like, okay. And also Shredder is behind it all. Yeah, the mayor takes off her weird face mask, and it turns out she's been Shredder the whole she's time. She's been Lady Shredder, and that's weirdly progressive for this show. But I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm in, I like it. So then uh, we get to court, and uh, there's a verdict given, and there's a song about, like, he's guilty. This song was actually good. And I say that with no irony because I remember this song because like, first of all, the judge who is singing this is the first person that I feel like, oh yeah, this dude's got pipes. Like the guy that sings this song legit kills a very funny song that is a 100% out of place in this thing. But it's like a gospel song, right? Like the jury turns into like basically the choir and they do right. what in another show would be like, like if that song showed up in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, you'd be like, yeah, perfect. You nailed it. But in this show, it makes no sense. But but I, I like this thought. I unironically thought this was good. Yeah. And this like what confused me about this is it references the fact that it's a musical because the judge like turns to them and goes, hit it. And like some dude pulls a keyboard out of nowhere. That's right. It's just, it really jumps. Up. But like that is what the entire show should have been. Like, it should have been that ridiculous. Like, if you want to do, like, glowing briefcase full of money and, like, a dude in the courtroom pulls out a keyboard and the whole jury turns into a choir, that's great. But you don't do that in the same show where someone is, like, very tearfully handing their baby off that they just sold for $200 because they need to go buy more crack. Like, those are different shows. Yeah, especially since, like, the song she's singing to her baby as she gives it away is, like, so depressing yeah, it's a real downer for the end of an episode. Yeah, especially following that gospel song. The gospel song is good. Yeah. So uh, one of the cops finds the cop killer, shoots him while he's handcuffed. Oh, right. And like, he tells his partner to leave and like shoots him in the house. And it's like, am I loose? And then the, the chief's like, what did you do? It's like, nothing. And you'll never know. And I'm I'm a bad guy, but I get the job done. Pretty much. He's like... He just doesn't give a shit. He's like, yep, it's uh, it's over. He tried to shoot me. Street justice. Street justice. That yeah. could have been a good name for this. Yeah. So uh, then the lady sells her baby and that's how the episode ends. Oh my God. Such a, it's such a journey. And it's it an was. hour. Like that takes an hour and there's more stuff that I'm forgetting because it's like none of those plot devices that we talk or plot things that like basically you don't see anyone twice. They're all like separate groups of people. Like you see the mayor once, you see the nice cop once, and the lady with the baby you see like twice. And the weird yeah. husband with prostate issues you see twice. The mannequin you see once. The mannequin you see once and presumably it's dead because it got shot inside the office. <laughs> what is this show about? What is happening? 
This went on for 11 episodes. Can you imagine how long something like this would last on TV today? It's an hour-long musical drama. And this was on a major network, too. Yeah. This was on ABC. Yes. Oh, man. This just, like, 90s were weird. ABC has had some very, very good um, slogans for their network over the years, one of which is, something's happening. Though I would like to know what the <laughs> slogan for ABC was. And this is, what, 91? 90. ABC slogan in 1990. Here they are. Okay. 1960s. No, 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 no. This is good radio. Sorry. Hold on. Okay. 1990 <laughs> was America's watching, which they certainly were. And they were probably saying, what, what is happening? America's watching. We don't know. In, 19 in 1992, it was, it must be ABC. Because their other slogan was, America is not watching as much anymore. And they thought that's not a good slogan. Yeah, exactly. Once the show premiered, it was, wait, where'd you go, America? <laughs> Sorry, 1997, TV is good. <laughs> slogan for 1997. 1998, we love TV. They were like changing it every year. Like that's a thing. Okay, in 2000, they had America's number one broadcasting company. That feels good. Uh, later on during sweeps 2000 was definitely ABC 2001 to 2002 America's favorite network 2001 after the September 11 attacks it is I shit you not only Americans is ABC oh, in 2001 only America what does that mean only Americans can watch TV. Like, no shit. It's an American TV station. <laughs> like, what? What does that mean? 2008. Uh, 2009. Oh, this is pretty recent for a slogan this bad. Your favorite shows live here. You know, that one's not too bad. And then it, it ends in, in 2013. This is where the wiki ends. Man, I love this document. This is very good. You just got to bookmark that and just go back to it every day. <laughs> 1967 is just a very special season. <laughs> 1969 is meet us in September. What the fuck does that mean? Okay. I'm sorry. This is not what your show is about, right? Where we just talk about what the slogans for ABC were. Oh, no. This is wonderful. I actually love the fact that they went from it must be ABC to then like five years later. Oh, yeah, it's definitely it's ABC. It's definitely ABC. They were pondering it for a couple of <laughs> Is years. Is it ABC? was in the middle. And they're like, we're pretty sure it's ABC. It's definitely ABC. <laughs> it must be ABC. Um, it must be ABC. In 2004, welcome to the new ABC. But they don't say how it's new. <laughs> okay. So in 2007, they had one called Start Here, which apparently they still use. But it's modified to Start Over. When introducing returning shows whose season was interrupted by the 2007 Writers Guild strike. <laughs> oh, geez. These people make so much money to think of this bullshit. Like the people that were coming, like that's their only job. ABC has someone who they pay like $50,000 a year and who have other jobs at other networks. But their job for ABC is just like to come into a room and say, start fresh and then put on sunglasses and slam the door as you leave. And then you get $50,000. And then cut to like five minutes earlier where they're scribbling on a notepad like, 
Start fresh? Question mark. No, that's not going to work. Crumples it up, throws Too it out, fresh. and then he then he picks up the thing again and crosses out the question mark. And he's like, "Got it. I got it. Got it in one." Do you ever wonder what would happen if you had a robot select three random elements and then gave those elements to pretend entrepreneurs, and then those pretend entrepreneurs use those things to inspire amazing pitches? Hi, I'm Derek, host of the Wild Pitch, and I'll tell you what would happen. You get an absurdist Shark Tank-style show called The Wild Pitch. New episodes every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, wherever podcasts are found. So, uh, had this show continued, what kind of episodes do you think we would have seen? Well, we have to decide, Ed. What are, what are we... Let's assume that we are tonally correcting for... The, or let's not. Let's dig into it. We're going more drama in the drama and more ridiculous in the music, right? Because that seems to be the... That seems to be the trajectory they were on. Do you know what the season arc was? Because I only watched the pilot and then some some bits and pieces of whatever. That I do not know. I do know that the last episode, Cheryl Crow like shows up and starts singing with them. Okay, so we have to assume that Cheryl Crow is going to become a season regular, right? Oh, of course. So do we know, was she, as, was she there as Cheryl Crow? I'm not entirely sure. It was during... Uh, Closing number entitled We'll Be Back or something like that. Oops, no, we won't. <laughs> we will not <laughs> be back. They were really big on that one. They were incorrect. Um, well, I mean, they did just reboot Roseanne. So we don't need to talk about Roseanne, Ed. <laughs> job for them and advertise. No one's. Have you seen Roseanne? Did you watch old Roseanne? I did watch old Roseanne. Do you watch new Roseanne? No, I do not. <laughs> no one watches new. We don't need to talk about new Roseanne. That's going to be the, the ABC slogan next year. Don't talk about Roseanne. What network is that on? That's uh, ABC, I think. Oh, well, then that's a bad slogan for them. <laughs> they, their slogan <laughs> should not be "Don't talk about Roseanne." Um. <laughs> okay, where does the show go? Well, you got to figure that. Like all cop shows, the department eventually starts tearing itself apart, right? Like the rifts form and alliances form within the police, within the street justice police department. Oh, always. So like who becomes the actual good guy of this series? Not knowing anything about it past the pilot. Um, I know he was only in one scene, but I feel like Ernie Hudson would have. Yeah, it's Ernie Hudson and Cheryl Crow. And they're the new... Mulder and Scully, and they're taking it to the streets with raps by Randy Newman. And I have to assume that as the show went on, it would have gotten more and more progressive with Mary. You know what? I do think, though, I think we were onto something with our Ninja Turtles with, with that. I think that is the correct way that this show goes from here. Oh, you know they're going to rap about pizza. Yes, they are going to rap about pizza. This show is actually going to make a whole lot more sense in, in the framing of the Ninja Turtles because like the Ninja Turtles do rap about pizza. So let's assume that Shredder, Mrs. Shredder the mayor, is gonna, she's going to build the jail and then she's going to destroy the entire city. And so from the rubble of that police department, only the Ninja Turtles can rise up to stop her. And so episode 11 is like, Real gritty. It's just the turtles like sifting through the city of Los Angeles and there's bodies everywhere and everyone is and everyone is dead and they've failed and they don't know where April is because April was 
like the mayor bombed the city and who knows where April is. They got to go find April. And then uh, Donatello finds a, a body and he realizes it's uh, it's Splinter and Splinter is dead. And so he sings, he sings like a, and Splinter is, no, not dead, dying. And Splinter is going to sing a Les Miserables Little Fall of Rain song to Donatello <laughs> as he lies dying in his arms. And it's called... Do they let rats into heaven? <laughs> mutant rats, mutant rat ninja masters into heaven. And it's very touching and it's beautiful. And then Donatello, like, this breaks him. He gets dark. And then, here, okay, you go. Well, then what? All right, so then I feel like who better to show up than the crack baby? She's all grown up now. And she's a turtle because she fell into ooze. Oh, no. She's the, okay, and so the crack baby grew, uh, yes, because the crack baby got sold for $200 and we haven't seen her since. But then it turns out that she fell into the ooze and now she is a fir- the first female Ninja Turtle and she where okay, so what's what color is not taken? It can't be green. It's not blue, it's not orange, not purple, not red. Hmm. She the, the mm, Orange is not she, she, yeah, I guess she can't be yellow. Yellow is April's color. It can't be red. Can't be blue. Can't, I guess white or black or gray or gold or silver. Those are all good colors. Pick one. Oh, Which one silver is would be good. Silver She's would the be silver good. ninja turtle, and she also has to be named after a Renaissance painter, but a female Renaissance painter of which there are not a ton. So her name is her name is Mona Lisa. She is Mona Lisa, <laughs> the ninja turtle, and also a crack baby. Um. <laughs> And her mom also survived, but only her brain. So Donatello, who's getting dark now, is building like mechs to take back the city from Shredder. But Shredder gets his hands on one of these mechs and he puts the brain of the mom of the crack baby into this mech. And that's new Krang. That's who, <laughs> that's who Krang is. And Krang sings a song that is very much like Domor Gato Mr. Roboto, but it's about a brain in a mech. And it's called, we didn't steal this from Japan. This is our idea. <laughs> it's a little, it's a little on the nose. I get, I give you that. Much like a crack. Much like the crack is on the nose is how I assume you do crack on through your nose. And also needles. I truly don't know. I'm a huge nerd. Do you think maybe that's how she is? It's like Popeye spinach is she does like crack to go into like maximum overdrive to like to like it's like the Nas in her uh, uh, Fury Road machine. Like she's she is like Krang and then Krang on crack like hulks out even more and is like even more dangerous. Right. Like Dragon Ball Z style. Yeah, I think that's I think that's correct. I think that's right. So we got to get another. Okay. I forgot. Where's Sheryl Crow and all this? It doesn't matter. We can have a billion characters. That's how this show works. <laughs> so then Sheryl Crow and what was the other gentleman? Ernie Hudson. Okay, so they fall into the ooze too, and now they're Bebop and Rocksteady, except that Rocksteady is a lady now because it's Sheryl Crow. And uh, also, it's a it's a giant crow instead of whatever Rocksteady is. Am I walking down like, you can follow me. Do you know Ninja Turtle stuff or am I just losing you with all of this? Oh, no, I got you. I got you. Okay, okay. I'm just checking. This is our Ninja Turtles uh, fan cast about what a Ninja Turtles musical would be like. It's called Behind the Ooze. It's called Behind the Ooze. 
uh, VH1's Behind the Ooze, uh, oozing it to the cops. The Ninja Turtles are not law enforcement, and that has got to be a problem for the pol- actual police department. Oh, maybe the mayor's just like, we're going to outlaw vigilantes. Which he absolutely would, because remember, the mayor is Shredder. So the, so the, it's like Shredder, but Shredder is now getting like smart. He's not just like, she's not killing stuff anymore. She's she's just starting uh, laws. She's like, I will, I will ban the Ninja Turtles from like legally being able to do their stuff. And if not, we'll end up in court. And they do end up in court. And guess who's back? It's that judge. And he sings a reprise of that guilty song. <laughs> and then they end up in jail. But now they have to get all the criminals they put away to help them break out. Oh my God. Yes, they do. All of them. And I'm sure. Okay. And that's how they end up teaming up with Bebop and Rocksteady who are dirty cops because all of the cops are dirty cops. And so they tie up with them. And there's going to be like a song that's like a back and forth between like Bebop, Rocksteady and the Ninja Turtles where they're like debating, like, should we join them? Should we not? Should we ask them for help? Yeah, it's uh, and we could do that two ways. It could be like a should I stay or should I go type song, or it could be like a one day more Les Mis. I've got Les Mis on the brain right now, but they're <laughs> both very good. Bebop and Rocksteady have to have a rock song. That's how they. That's how they are. That's their whole. That's their whole spiel. And then just because you know this show doesn't make any sense at all, let's bring some other musicals in. We can have Audrey too show up. Yeah. That feels, yeah, I feel like that's a, that's what Shredder would do. Shredder would be like, oh, I got this ooze. I can make mutants. I'm going to put it on this house plant. Now it's Audrey too. Now it's, now you need to feed it in blood. Also, it's the city comptroller because I'm the mayor. <laughs> and it has a 401k. And it has a 401k and you're paying into it. And it's running for a uh, senator. And then Audrey too runs for senator. And then we get into like a bigger arc because now Shredder because Shredder's got this town, right? He's the mayor. So the season two arc is like Shredder is running for, for senator of, I guess, California. Because this whole thing takes place in California. Because it's the Los Angeles Police Department. Where do the Ninja Turtles take place? Fictional New York or actual New so. York? Yeah, There's a lot of sewer grates. There's a lot of sewer grates. And we don't have sewers in California. So it must be New York. In California, we just compost everything into orange trees. I'm in California. You're in New York right now, yes? Uh, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. That's not New York. It's very different. But it, but do you have sewers in Massachusetts? We do. Okay. In Connecticut, they, they just kind of tilt everything so it falls into the ocean. That's good because the ocean is fine, and nothing you do to it will ever change it. So exactly. you can just let we can do whatever to the ocean. It's so big. It is, and it's like well, we were, it's so big. Like when you pee in a pool, the whole pool's not pee. So like when you dump stuff in the ocean, the whole ocean's not trash. Yeah, that's right. Just throw it in the ocean. What are people so worried about? Exactly. It's not like part of a larger system that affects everything we do. It's fine. <laughs> throw it in the ocean. So I think the final arc for this show would be Audrey 2 is now president. And mm-hmm. Shredder is like, wait a minute. This wasn't how it's supposed to happen. Got out of hand. Yeah. So she has to go to the Turtles for help to take down oh, Audrey 2. No. Do they agree, though? They don't. I think they do because uh, they don't. Okay, so Audrey 2 is the bigger evil, but they're like petty. They're real <laughs> petty. And they're like, no, we're not going to because you killed you killed Shredder. And then Ghost Shredder is there. Not Shredder, Splinter. Ghost Splinter is there like Star Wars. And he's like shaking his head like, this is not what I taught you. You all have <laughs> messed up. 
And they're like, no, we've got it. And then they sing, we'll be back for season three. <laughs> and then there's no season three. <laughs> there's no season three. That feels right. That feels right. Is that how you do the segment on this show? Yeah. It's like that, right? I think we just nailed. I think we nailed Cop Rock. Hell yeah. Cop Rock. Don't watch all of it. Do watch musical numbers from it on YouTube. Either watch the musical numbers or watch everything without the musical numbers. Don't do that. You do that way. Can you imagine how boring that would be? That's true. Because like the show is not, I mean, like that will make more sense. That will be cohesive as a show. I will give you that. Yeah, the musical numbers, man, they're just so out of place. They're they're full-length songs. They're all over the place, and they're not good, and the dancing is bad. It's bad white people dancing. There's one good song in it, and it is that the the courtroom song. Yeah, the guilty song. And it's funny as hell, and it doesn't make any sense in the context of the show. Because then I am supposed to go back to like caring about the fact that a cop shot someone who was in in handcuffs, and I can't because I'm still thinking about that gospel, <laughs> that gospel number in a courtroom You're where home. the where the where the stenographer pulled out a keyboard that he also had. Yeah, this lady's like giving away her baby for two hundred dollars. You're just telling me like, mm-hmm-hmm. <laughs> which is a lot in 1990. That is true. Like adjust for inflation. She got a good price for that baby in terms of like how much babies cost. That is true. I'm like on the capitalist market makes sense. Yeah. I mean, and I feel bad for that baby, except that I feel okay. Cause it ended up being the first lady Ninja Turtle, which is good. Yeah. It broke barriers. I should say though, that the Ninja Turtles were not babies before they became turtles. They were small turtles. That is true. You have to imagine that when this baby got the ooze all over it, like, it it would have looked whack, like it would have turned into what would a what does that do? So the turtles became human like and started walking around. Oh so god! What happened to a person? Did she grow a shell and like walk on all fours? Well, that doesn't make any sense. There's no turtle compound to the ooze, right? It's got to be human. It's human ooze. She would turn into like double. She would have like twice as many arms and legs, or she would. I mean, it could do a reverse ooze. Maybe she like tripped on a turtle into the ooze. Okay. You're saying she thought, okay, she spliced her DNA with turtle DNA in the ooze. Right. She like Jeff Goldblum, the fly Mm. herself into a, into a turtle. Yeah. I think that's good. And I think that actually makes as much sense as anything else that happens in this this (laughs) show. Uh, I think it's going to do it for this episode. Uh, I want to thank, Zach, for coming on. Zach, this was amazing. Thank uh, you for having me. Ed. It's been a, it's been a delight. You've been a delight. How many times did your cat meow during this? Mine only did once, and I think you didn't hear it. I didn't. I didn't even notice. Mine meowed once, but she is uh, wiping her face on my microphone stand several times. Oh, okay. Get that scent on there. It's my microphone stand. Exactly. It's hers now. She owns it. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, Just remember, some things are better left unaired. Bye.
Hi, I'm Drew. I'm Nate. And I'm Tanner, and we are the hosts of Headline Heroes. Every week we take a bizarre, out there article, Germans build underground pipeline for beer, and attempt to create a superhero or villain. The obvious one is that they have a giant robot that runs off of beer. Along the way, we discuss powers, design a costume, and of course, struggle with a name. Graham Graham Sam Sam? No, no. Graham Graham Sam Sam? No! And inevitably, we get off subject and talk about the really important stuff. I did go to Bill Engvall's website, and I just want to tell you a couple of things I'm seeing here. Please do, I wish you would. But we always arrive with the super creation we are proud of. Join Headline Heroes every Tuesday as we try to make reality a little more super.